But I, I really do like your program, man. I love how chill it is, and especially what the cultural kind of differences between like Scotland and what what in America, especially where yeah, you are over in what the Nebraska. I mean, I'd be I'd be classed as the suburban dad over in America. You know, look at the the house, the wife, the kids, the car. What and I've been I have been very lucky, and I freely admit that. Well, and then when I'm hearing the, the stuff you guys were talking about, I'm like, shit, I get a real case of white guilt here, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel majorly guilty. I'm like, I'm like, guys, but, but you guys can smoke weed. You don't get thrown <laughs> in jail. So <laughs> every time you guys are like, yeah, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm just having a, having a, a bond, man. I'm like, you lucky gets. Oh man. <laughs> I was just about to say, maybe, maybe we, um, oh, I shouldn't say we, maybe the stimulant that you get from weed is already coursing through your veins constantly. And yeah, I'm, I'm just like a ginger weed. <laughs> I'm just walking around people and making them hide with all my crazy ideas. I'm like, right, so I've got a plan. <laughs> what? How would you feel about being a Loch Ness monster? Wait, what? You're about three fifty. You can tell that I was raised on a lot of American TV, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, the Landover Legend, aka Big T, and thank you for listening to another episode of the I Can't Make This Up podcast. Uh, you have been listening to some of the wild thoughts of my next guest, Mr. Andrew Durning, who joins me all the way from Scotland here on this lovely Saturday morning. And I am thrilled and honored for him to join me uh, on my show today. Andrew, please uh, introduce yourself to my audience. Well, uh, first of all, to your audience, I very much apologize for the insanity that you have just heard. But believe me, that that's actually quite tame. Well, it's a real honor to be on here, man. I, I love the podcast. I was even working on my impersonation of you. And then I kept thinking, fat white guy impersonating a black guy in America. Well, am I, uh, am I gonna get the protesters at my door? Well, fuck, I'm gonna do it anyway. So I'm like, this is the I can't make this up podcast. That's the I can't with a K make this up podcast. <laughs> and I can only really nail an accent if I listen to it enough. So that way you know that I listen to your show. <laughs> oh, oh my God. <laughs> For the listeners and maybe on Spotify, I think I may have just gave him an aneurysm. <laughs> my, my apologies. Okay, so that was that was ninety five percent me minus the the hint of a, a country accent. But yeah. people we can't say, win them all, can we? <laughs> people say uh, that I have like a southern accent, but mm. I don't hear it because I don't hear what you hear. You know what I'm saying? I only hear yeah. the voice that coming out of my head. And to yeah, you, it sounds same, different. <laughs> same. I think my, my voice sounds actually like quite 
all right. And then when I hear it back, I sound like someone has like kicked me in the stones. Why? And my voice had uh, or my or I haven't had puberty yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's 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 a bad day when your three year old sons probably have a bit a deeper voice than you've got. <laughs> quite, it's quite crazy because they can be like, "Daddy," and I'm like, "Whoa, you only just got them. When did they drop?" <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my wife pointed something out to me what, um, what, on one of the last uh, podcasts that I was on, and she was like, it's really weird how you talk. And I was like, what do you mean? She said, well, when you're talking to me, you talk like you. And then when you talk to people, like if you're on like a, a call or a podcast, you, you default into a more Glaswegian sound. Like, what do you mean? So you go from being, hi, how are you? Very nice to meet you, to... All right, mate, what's up? How you doing? I'm Humphrey Scotland, man. Let's let's do this. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't sound like that. <laughs> and I listened back and went, yes, I do. <laughs> it's crazy. But it's, it's I think us judging like uh, the accents over in America, uh, it's it is really stereotypical because we hear the Southern, we think it's y'all and grits and tobacco and, uh, you know, they're gonna bomb everybody from the Mormons to the Muslims, and that's not like for me. This was the this was when I went to Las Vegas, and a taxi driver said that to me. Wow, it was crazy. Well, we were he was taking us down uh, down the strip, well, and well, we were me. It was me, and my brother, my older brother at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, and he was saying that, and he was like, you know, we just gonna bomb everybody. We're gonna bomb everybody from the Mormons to the Muslims. You know, we don't care who we're gonna bomb. So I looked at him and went. You don't have a chance of a gun in your car, do you? I mean, yeah, every cat if he carries a gun, man. Just let us out here. Don't care where we are, just let us out. We'll walk. It was crazy. it was crazy. It was unreal. But what well, that was that was probably not the most surreal experience when I was in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Well, I know I say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but I never got laid and I never did any weeds, so what those ones are out the window anyway. <laughs> well, we went we went to we went to Hooters. As you do, mm. well, you know, I was, I was well, a, well, a skinny white dude who just got uh, his head kicked in and his teeth knocked out. So, of course, I felt like I was a, the ticket, you know what I mean? <laughs> Walked in well, and this, uh, the security guard kept looking over at me and my brother because even though I was 25, no, 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 I was 24 at the time, I still looked like I was 14, <laughs> especially like for uh, being over in America. So, they came up, so the guy came up to me and ID'd me, ID'd my brother as well. And then what well, he started that, and he was like, oh, he's like, oh, oh, you're from, you're from Scotland, man. What, 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 what type of bands do you listen to? And I was like, and we listen to, you know, Guns N' Roses, listen to Rolling Stones, well, The Who. He's like, oh, man, I love rock music. I love it. And he started reciting all the British bands that he knew. So we started reciting all the American ones that we listened to back to him. Mm-hmm. And he was what he just, what, what, this guy was like, oh, he had thighs that could crack fucking walnuts, mate. Well, and wow. he's like got his arm around me, like in the hill. He's like, "You all right, buddy? You all right? You can you can come back here anytime." And I'm like, <laughs> "Can't breathe." Yeah. <laughs> it was certainly an, an interesting experience, definitely. Well, I love Vegas. Absolutely loved it. I love Florida as well. Went that's where I went on the honeymoon with the wife. Oh, well, okay. Two weeks there. Well, I got to. Well, I got to meet Mickey. Got to see Captain America. Well, at Universal and all that stuff. What. Well, you know, it's all it's all all, like, all the touristy stuff, but the only downside is like it's so warm and I'm ginger, we we die. 
mm-hmm. in the heat. Well, I was literally just like a floating white goop with just this weird orange top just floating around with the strip. Well, my wife kept looking at me like, it's a lovely day, isn't it? And I'm like, kill me. Bring me, <laughs> bring me into something that has air conditioning. We don't have air conditioning in Scotland because it's always, well, it's not always measurable weather here. So what the summer's been actually really good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've, I've almost been dead on a, uh, several occasions. It feels like I just lie there what, and just be like, tell my kids they're annoying. <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm on an episode of Rick and Morty right now. <laughs> get, 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 get your shit together. Just get, get all your shit. Yep, put it together. Gotta take it somewhere. Go take it to this ship museum. I don't care what you do. Just get your shit together. <laughs> So I got two questions for you. Fire away. Like, you know, I've got nothing to hide now. <laughs> so uh, besides uh, Florida and Vegas, did you did you visit anywhere else in the U.S.? And what was your uh, what was your initial initial reaction once you, uh, you know, you landed and seen like the uh, the cultural differences? Yeah, well, the places that I've been are Vegas and New York. Well, no, Vegas and Florida, sorry. New York, I don't know where that came from. I think I was thinking about my aunt. Like, she mm-hmm. loves to go to New York like, anytime she can get to go. But, um, uh, I want to clarify straight from the get-go that I loved America. I thought mm-hmm. it was brilliant. Well, when, well, I had a, great, had a great time in both cities, aside from almost getting stabbed in Vegas. Well, right. um, yeah. But that was because my brother was a bit of a drunken git and thought that he could like, just walk up to guys and be an asshole. And then a guy pulled a knife on him and I had to Literally fling him in the nearest taxi cab and straight back to the hotel. Right, mm-hmm. So that was fun. Hmm. Uh, but when I when I first landed, it was the it was the queue to get in the customs. Man, <laughs> I know I know we've, I know everything like security is tight. What everywhere it's the same if you come over here. You've got like you feel like you're in a relay race constantly. Well, with different things. Like I was practically feel like I was going to have to give them my boxer shorts and be like, right, look, there's nothing in there. It's like, <laughs> and even if there was, this down there is not packing. It's too small. Like these, these barely fit. It's cool, man. It's all right. It's cool. But when I got there, like the main thing, what I always, I always say that um, this is gonna this is gonna sound bad. And re- it's really not intended to, but mm. I'll explain the point and you'll understand it. I always feel like I'm an accidental racist. Now, I'm not racist in the slightest, obviously. Otherwise, I'd be like, I wouldn't be coming on the show. You know what I mean? Mm. Well, they'd be like, no, stay away, stay away. But ask the questions that people maybe don't uh, think it's appropriate to ask. But it's because I want to find out more about a culture and kind of broaden my knowledge. Best example is one of the guys that I work with. He came from Nigeria, moved to London, and then moved to Glasgow. Well, because his dad was a pastor and worked well, with uh, different, different churches. And that got me really interested in what his backstory. And I asked him, it's like, what type of like services did he give? Was it like the, the ones that we have where it's really doer and sour? It's like, oh, you're all going to hell. Or is it the ones where it's like this, this, the singing and the clapping and like, we're going to have church. Yeah. Because I think these, they're awesome. I think that's the way it should be. But, and all my work looked to me like, you can't say that. You can't <laughs> say that. But he's loving it because he knows that it's not intended to sound bad. It's intended to sound like it was meant to be. I'm curious. I want to know about people and I want to know about the different cultures and different types. But when I first got to America, the first thing I thought, they have guns here. 
and I can't control my mouth, I may end up with a bill of wind. Mm. Luckily, I didn't. Yeah. My, um, because I'm I'm too scared. My, I'm absolutely terrified. <laughs> but with it, we did all. I think we all we could have wound up witnessing like a homicide at Burger King in Florida once. That was that was interesting. We went across the road to Burger King, and this guy was clearly having a bad day. What getting what his supervisor was giving what a kit, what a what a hassle. And I just hear him going, "I swear I'm going to kill somebody." I just looked at my now my new wife and I was like, "Right, we're leaving." <laughs> I, I mean, if you if you look at the shape of Florida, it's, it's like a pistol, you know. So you got to remember yeah. that when you when yeah. You this was just it. after the um. This this was the same week that the shooting happened, as well, yeah. in Florida. Well, and we were so everybody was on high alert, and well, we were all about kind of. Making sure everything's okay. So hearing a guy saying that literally about three days after he said, well, after this had happened, well, we were we were also on edge. Because well, I mean, we hear about like all the type of stuff on like on the news and things, but it's never felt like it's been so close to home like, until mm-hmm. we were there. But aside from that, I, I loved America. I think it's brilliant. Like, <laughs> and I well, you guys have some of the best shows, man. Well, honestly, like you mentioned one of them, Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. But, um, like the cultural impact that your shows make, what, uh, not just in America but all over the world. Mm-hmm. Think about Friends and how much it's it's played. It's played over in the UK constantly, constantly. So much that I could practically recite series one to ten offhand and not worry about it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's fantastic. Like so, I always liked watching Friends, Frasier, what, and then I would switch over to the sports channels and watch them. The World Re- World Wrestling Federation back when it was the WWF. Damn okay. those panda people! <laughs> <laughs> a joke. I apologize. I love pandas. <laughs> I think. I think. But I think if you're too lazy to shag yourself back into ext- out of extinction, not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, come on, guys! <laughs> come on, guys! Like, like, get a bit of the Scottish blood on you. Like, you'll you'll figure it out. <laughs> I think that no, that's, I think I mean, that I see that right now. I'm drinking that. Well, right, I'll cover it up just so it won't get done. But I'm drinking a certain popular American beverage. <laughs> it's always the real thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love. At least you've course. had a good laugh. If you get cancelled, I really apologize. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't believe I'll get cancelled, and I hope I don't. But at the same time, yeah. Um, yeah, my, don't worry. My... Don't, just, just, just ignore everything that I say. What? <laughs> what? I do a lot of charity work, and I do help a lot of good causes and support mental health charities and all that kind of stuff. And I've got a really dark past. So, what? If you don't laugh, you cry sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, at at this point right now, if you're still listening to my show, you realize that I have no malice intent with any conversation I have with my guests. Mm. My show is always to um, create bridges and share information and, mm. and help somebody out down the line, regardless to, you know, what monetary, uh, you know, backing or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, anything I might get from it, you know, because yeah. these one convers- things I love about your show as well, at least as a, a, a Scotsman, like, it, it really broadens like, everything over here. Like, it's a, it is a whole new world like, to us to listen to. Well, and that, I'll be sitting in work listening to it, and sometimes they'll hear me going, damn. And they're like, what? I'm like, you wouldn't get it. I don't, I don't, I don't even get it. 
<laughs> a lot, but but I feel the struggle. One of the ones that really hit me the most was um, it was the single mum, but who started her own business. Okay. Well, um, I think it was like the, it was kind of like the essentially like a, what we call them the Avon ladies, but 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 better. Yeah. Well, and how she like basically well, she had nothing and well, she's managed to work herself to a decent career and she's doing really well and what and I was just what sitting there I'm like you go, you go. That's that's brilliant. I'm loving it. It's it's inspirational. Well, and hearing about like it and what. Let's see a lot of your guests have the, what the really different stories and different what walks of life where they've came from, how they've developed, and you handled them so well. I must say, well, you just you let them like me, you let them waffle a load of pish. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they said they've got actually something important to tell. I'm just talking rubbish. <laughs> but you, you let, but you're you're very you're very approachable. You're very respectful to them as well, and it doesn't matter if you'd only met them for the first time like myself or you've been childhood friends with them. Like you give them the same love and the same appreciation, and and I really respect that man. Well, I think that I think it's awesome. I appreciate that. I I spend my life being uh the book that got judged at first sight, and mm. instead of me, you know, reacting harshly like I used to, mm. uh, I adapted um you know a very even kill persona because you know someone could be having a bad day and they don't know how to control their emotions so mm. they're gonna they're gonna say whatever and, and expect me to give them that same thing back by me ignoring them or just not responding to them it'll give them a chance to think and if not i'll just put them through a wall or you know however i feel at the time and and go on i love how casual day. that was is that but you know if you don't like it my, i'm gonna they'll be in a coma probably for six months <laughs> well, because well, those American walls, they t- they're tough to break, man. They're tough to break. Well, so just like, yeah, you, you might die, but it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so re- it's, it reminds me of one of my one of my best friends. Like he's about six foot seven. Well, he's he's built like that. Well, he's a lovely guy, but if you take him off, well, you know, you you know about it. Mm-hmm. What we always call them, we call them the firecracker mates, the ones that you love, but you're afraid they'll kill you and all your family if you say the wrong thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's like okay, well, I'll, I'll just let you be. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I, I, I couldn't help but just point out. I just loved it. It was so casual. It was like you know, I'm just gonna chill and be me. I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I get what you mean, man, because like, um, what well, it's not as severe, but like over. I remember there was like having this mop top. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you get well. In my case, I got bullied a lot for it. Daily beatings, well, especially in high school. Um, what well, it's the kind, uh, it's treated kind of like a uh, like the stereotype thing as well. Like everybody sees a redhead guy, they think we're violent. We've got short tempers. Well, um, thank you, Eric Cartman. We do have souls. G-E-R. <laughs> <laughs> Who invented the ginger? Uh, but yeah, we do have souls. Otherwise, we wouldn't take half this shit personally. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's it's one of those things that like, I see it all the time. Like people picking on like uh, like redhead kids and stuff, and it, it really it does make me turn out in that stereotype because uh, I do want to put them through a wall. <laughs> but so I'm quite glad that my kids like, they they're blonde hair, blue eyes. They got their mum's jeans, thankfully. <laughs> well, so they might have a chance, but. It's quite funny that if you see a baby, what, and they they look at me and they're just like, "What is that weird thing on the top of his head? I don't see that." 
It's it what and it's like ingrained. It's like you know, don't don't speak don't speak to don't speak to the ginger. Don't speak to the ginger. You know, like he sees they'll be weird. They'll be violent. Not the case. What what we can be. What everybody can be. Well, it just depends on what your mood, your day, personality. But I'm probably one of the most like kind of chill, chill guys you can meet. What with the with the redhead. It doesn't, well, it doesn't bother me. Like I call myself more names than anybody else can. I actually dared someone that if they could think of a name I hadn't heard for being ginger, I would give them uh, five quid. I'd give them five pounds. Mm. Well, they never thought of them. And I worked a guy for two years. Every time we come out, we're like, all right, but what? Well, but okay, heard that one. Move along. <laughs> so you, you've been in Scotland your whole life? I have, yes, yes. What well, born and bred, what well, in Scotland in my wee, my wee district, what well, what well, Airdrie, then Coatbridge, what well, um, not really kind of left that bit. What well, unless obviously going on holiday. What well, the furthest of what well, I say, the furthest of went is is Florida further than Canada? You know. You said is it further? Yeah. It's it's a. Uh, I can't even say how many miles, but it's it's at the other end. It's a it's mm. at the bottom of North America, and Canada's at the top. Mm. So it's above New York, Michigan, and all that. Yeah, so Canada's probably the furthest I've been. Well, I was only like nine months old at the time, so yeah. well, I don't remember it, so I don't believe it counts. Went over from my uh, my grandparents, and the rumor I had it was that my granddad held me by my uh, my nappy over Niagara Falls, saying, "Give me a reason to let go." Wow. Yeah, apparently I was that bad mm, as a kid. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I really admit it. I was a pain in the backside as a kid. Well, I was, I was, I was really, I wasn't, you know, in the 90s, like, you had to be kind of seen as more as a man's man. Like, you had to be, like, you had to be tough. You had to be able to, like, build Ikea furniture in 10 seconds. Like, you had to be able to kick a ball. You had to be able to do, like, all the te- stereotypical things. And I wasn't like that. I'm still not. But I like acting. I like singing. I'm really creative, and yeah, you'd more like to see me imagining like how to play dolls with my boys, and never trying to teach them how to kick a ball. They can go to their granddad for that one because he was a football player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always kind of felt like the odd one out, but everywhere I went, never really had that kind of feeling that I belonged. But and also being uh, left-handed as well. That was a time when they thought that the left-handers were the devil's minions. Which was crazy, well, and you had, and they would all get like the nice right-handed servers, and your left-handed ones were ones with big giant green handles that were about this size, and you had to go all the way to the other side of the school to get them. Well, and it was if it would feel quite embarrassing coming back, and you're just like sitting there with trying to figure out how to cut with this side. Then if you're writing, you're bumping everybody else, and they would stop bumping me. I'm like, well, do you want me to stop writing then? I can't write with my right hand. Well, I can, but I can do this with my right hand. <laughs> you can say that again. Yeah, definitely. So high high school was the roughest part, not all that, all the building stuff. But and one of my mates had said, you know, it set it sets you up for the man you're going to become. Man, I really wish I could roll back that clock because like, that's man that I've become. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> it's crazy, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> if this was who I, who I was going to become, man, like my mom should just be like, no, 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 right, he's. My dad, my dad says I'm adopted for a reason. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he always told me, he told me my brother it was buy one, get one free at the adoption centre. <laughs> I, take, I take it in the love that it's, it's hopefully intended. 
Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully indeed. I uh yeah. I you know that that's you know our differences is what makes us great and mm-hmm. listening to you uh doesn't sound too far from my story coming up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not That's why I relate to your podcast so well and a lot of the stuff that you talk about with your experiences even though it's a situation that I would have no chance of understanding in the slightest. Well, I mean, my stuff is really small compared to the stuff that, like, you know, you guys go through yourselves. But well, on some level, everybody can get not feeling like they belong. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're, like, the, the supposed, like, you know, alpha straight white guy or, like, um, or a black girl or whatever. And I'm not saying that in a bad way, obviously. Mm-hmm. Just everybody has that feeling where they don't fit in. There's something, they always feel there's something that doesn't belong and that there shouldn't be anything like that. It's not it's not acceptable and it still shouldn't be, especially in 2021. It wasn't acceptable back then. It's like when they say back then, well, there wasn't this trouble in my day. Bullshit, it was. It just wasn't reported. Or he didn't listen. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's not, fa- it's not fair. What? Well, it's always why I feel like if the little guy's getting picked on, I'll jump up, I'll jump in to help them, even if I wind up getting my ass kicked. Because I don't want that to happen to anybody else. I, I would, I would rather I take the bullet than someone else. Especially since I've become a dad. Yeah, that you know. My dad that, always used to say to me, "It was like treat others the way you would want others to treat their mum," and that made more sense than what the other way of saying it. Because if you want someone Anytime you introduce someone to your mum or whatever, well, you expect them to be respectful and honest and a good person, well, and you would kill them if they even dared go near you or go near your mum. So that, that really hits on me quite a lot. I think, that's, I think that's sometimes a better saying if you're related to someone that you know and someone that you really cared about. Yeah, you got to remember, not a lot of people have uh, enough... Uh, I guess you could say confidence to do what's right because yeah. they feel as though that, you know, they don't want to rock the boat or, you know, they're going to end up on the wrong side. Uh, you know, just like I, I can't stand to see people record situations of like ladies getting a purse snatched or some kids mm. uh, jumping on some other kids. Now I can understand that you don't want to put yourself in that trouble, but mm. Instead of calling for help, even if you don't get your hands on, involved in the situation, instead of saying something, you're just gonna sit there and record it for what views is yeah. evidence. Like if if I'm if I'm I'm not saying that I'm hoping it happens or I expect it to happen, but mm-hmm. if I'm in a fight and I see one of my friends recording me fight, I'm going to stop the fight, whoop his ass, and then go back to what I was doing. <laughs> totally get that man. That's that's. That's brilliant. And it's one of the things, It's all, that thing always annoys me when you see someone posting up going, this is disgusting, this is unacceptable. Well, if it was that disgusting to you, why didn't you jump in and stop it? Or why didn't you get someone that could, that was in vicinity? Like you see, and you see all the people that are walking by in the video, well, and they just look like, just move along, don't want anything involved. I get it if, there's, if they've got kids and they don't want them in danger. I totally understand that being a dad now. Never used to get it back then. Mm-hmm. Well, but now my dad, I really do. But at the same time, you want to make sure you educate your kids to be like, you see that? That's a coward right there. That's a coward that does that. Well, and I'm not saying jump into every fight and like uh, if you think you know you're definitely going to get hurt. Well, well, I'd always uh, advise you know talking about a problem and trying to work out a solution and jump into jump into violence. 
I've been in a total of three fights in my life. One was a win, one was a loss, one was a draw. <laughs> well, and it was purely because like the teacher stopped the fight after I hit the guy with the chair. <laughs> but yeah, it was it's one of those things that like, I don't I don't uh, like to be violent much, but what I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty if I need to, especially if it comes to like you know with my kids if something ha- if something happened to them, I'd be in jail instantly. <laughs> what? I would I would do anything for those boys. I never, because I never really wanted kids when I was younger, and then I somehow wound up with two at the same time. <laughs> yeah, when my dad taught me to to uh, split my life in half, he didn't mean the embryo. <laughs> and that's and that's funny because it's true because they're identical twins, and that's what happens with identicals. Like it's my guy that breaks up with fraternals, mm-hmm. while it's you know two separate eggs that get. So there you go. There's your little every day's a skill day for you, my friend. <laughs> I, I wish that it was more dads like you that was uh, courageous enough to protect their kids and, and want them to want what's mm-hmm. best for their future and their surroundings. Because like they say, not to sound, you know, uh, you know, mundane or anything, but the kids mm-hmm. are the future. They they're going to guide which way the world turns eventually. Mm-hmm. And if you just out here, you know, kicking out seeds or you just out mm-hmm. here following the norm of what you see on TV and everything, mm-hmm. then we're going to be in that future that you see like in Terminator or Idiocracy. Or oh, yeah. The Matrix. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. Brilliant films, to- but yeah, by messages. <laughs> exactly. Again, another way of how what the brilliance of American cinema has impacted globally. Well, I mean, everybody used to think Keanu Reeves was just, you know, the face of a, that looked like a block of wood. And then he done like the Matrix, and all of a sudden it was like, man, he's he's good, he's good. And I remember watching. Uh, we had to do uh, much ado about nothing in college, and they were like, right, we're going to show you the vid, uh, like the performance with Denzel. No one has uh, Denzel Washington in it, and Keanu Reeves. He was playing uh, like the, the bad guy in it, and it, it was. I love Keanu. I think he's. I think he's amazing, but his acting was so bad in that. It was, it was unreal. <laughs> that was horrible. But, and so I looked, I turned to the guy in my class who was playing his part and went, there's no way you can do worse than that shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I feel bad for you. You've got to follow up Denzel Washington. Because I was playing his part and I'm like, motherfuck. <laughs> of all the guys, it has to be Denzel. Like, one of the acting greats. Remember the Titans? Like, and training. Day, my God! What, what, what was it? Uh, was it American X? What was it? What was the one? Uh, the one where he, uh, where he was the dirty cop. What was the name of that one again? Uh, that was Training Day. Yeah, Training Day. I thought it was. Well, I, I was majorly second guessing myself. Uh, but yeah, like, I, what, I'm such an icon of cinema. What, and I'm like, I have to play the part he's playing. And he's he was super suave. He was suave as shit in that film. <laughs> and I was looking at him going. I can't do that. Well, I, I'm not like Robert Downey Jr. I can't do that. <laughs> and everybody will think, yeah, that's that's awesome. Don't think it's awesome now, but yeah, at the time, well, well, that's probably an example of real, real bad racism. We all thought that was acceptable well, only 20 years ago. And they're like, no, it's not. <laughs> no, no. I'm just a dude disguising our dude playing another dude. <laughs> that was a... I want to say it was an educational joke, but mm. it was a 
a play on stereotypes that could have went better. Mm-hmm. It, it, but it, it still turned out to be, at least it got people talking. It didn't get passed over. It was yeah. like, you know, pay attention yeah. to what's going on because this actually happens, you know? So mm-hmm. instead of it being received as information, it got received as, you know, racist, you know? Mm. Yeah, it's uh, as is prevalent in, in anything in media, like the, like the whitewashing thing. I, I just don't understand it. And I think maybe it's just because I'm that little bit sheltered. It's one of those things that I'm like, like if the part's meant to be for someone, you know, like like a black like a black actor or a black or a, a black female, don't cast a white guy. Mm-hmm. Like I think the recent example was um, was the Doctor Strange, okay. like Tilda Swinton, like, uh, got cast. What and she meant to be like eight, her character was uh, Asian descent, I believe. Uh, and they were like, well, well what, why are you doing that? And but it shows that they learned from that lesson, especially now that they got uh, the Shang Chi film out. No, oh my God, that was that was amazing! Like the fight scenes and the choreography, just take a straight out of a Bruce Lee movie, man. It's brilliant, man. And so, that brings me back to another great experience of being in Vegas. So many Chuck Norris t-shirts. <laughs> so many Chuck Norris t-shirts. It was brilliant. Well, we see the, these memes all the time over here, and we know Chuck Norris, and the meme of Chuck Norris itself is bigger than Chuck Norris. <laughs> it's so much so that I had to buy a t-shirt, and it said, Chuck Norris has two speeds, walk and kill. <laughs> that makes no sense. No sense in the slightest, but I had to buy the t-shirt. It was Chuck Norris, man. Well, and I'll, t- I'll tell you uh, something that you should really do. Um, have you ever had one of those, like, you know, like the kind of 3D experience chairs, you know, where, like, you feel every movement that uh, like yeah. the show and stuff like that. Like, if it's like you go over a bump, you'll feel like a rumble in your seat and all that. Yeah. Watch watch a really heavy-duty action film in one of those chairs. Like, we went to see it was Expendables 2, which was Expendables 2. <laughs> but what what there's so but there were so many explosions, so many like uh, what movement stuff. You feel like you had a two hour full body massage, but at the same time your adrenaline's pumping because you're watching so many of like your idols kicking ass. So you want to go out and eat a steak while punching a tree and making the earth pregnant, but at the same time you also want to eat kale because you can't move. <laughs> it's unreal. It's it's the most contradictory thing I've ever experienced in my life. I just walked out and I'm like, yeah, boys, let's go to a steakhouse. Yeah, but I'm too tired. <laughs> it's just like I was, li- I was lying in, in, the, in well, you call me the elevator. So I was like, just carry me home. I'm sleepy. <laughs> it's, the mo- it's the weirdest thing in the world. It's something I would definitely advise. Like, go to one of those things and just go see a really rubbish action movie. Like, it's, cheaper than a, it's cheaper than getting a massage any day, I'll tell you that. <laughs> So, was there a particular TV show or film that uh, led you to want to pursue acting? The Godfather Part Two. Okay. One of the one of the greatest films in my eyes. What well, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Marlon Brando, what for his kind of like cameo-ish performance, Diane Keaton. What the movie itself was just outstanding. It was so well done. Such drama, such pathos. It's before Al Pacino started going like full what uh, scenery chewing as well. But like, he was kind of he was kind of getting there a little, but he knew where to rein it in. It was like prime Pacino, like, and having like Don Corleone's backstory played out so well. And 
that Robert De Niro got the Best Supporting Actor Oscar for it. That shows how well he done. And it's just, it's a movie that we have to play over two DVDs over here. And I don't mind getting up and changing that instantly because I'm like, I need to see the rest of this film. <laughs> In particular, like that uh, movie itself was like an acting masterclass all around. Uh, TV show wise, well, um, Frasier. Actually. Well, um, I, lo- I loved uh, the kind of the witty banter, I loved the writing, I loved the dynamics of the characters. Well, um, I think Kelsey Grammer's like, uh, what brilliant. He's like, in personal life, he's a fucking nutter. <laughs> <laughs> well, but uh, he was just, he played that part so well. And to play that part for so long over two different shows and still find areas where they can grow and develop and what they, what they expand out his family as well. What, um, what John Mahoney, yeah, who played his, his father, what, God rest his soul, was absolutely brilliant. Such a such a great, like, odd couple kind of dynamic between them. What, um, then you have, like, David Hyde Pierce, who played his younger brother. What, and I always loved the fact that you never saw Maris, like his wife. Mm. But, but the, uh, something I always loved when you have a character in a show that you never see, but the myth of her becomes, like, so exaggerated that you, you really couldn't justify it. Mm-hmm. Like, like, apparently she was like so skinny that she shouldn't even be alive. That she was essentially a walking corpse with a tiny bit of skin. <laughs> uh, and then obviously you've got um, the actress who played um, Daphne, uh, and and a massive crush on Perry Gilpin, the one who played uh, the actress who plays Roz. Still do, in fairness. Uh, she's 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 on the list. She's on the list. So if she, so if you if you're listening to Perry Gilpin, you can knock me back at least six or seven times. Memo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, 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 but uh, my favorite character, uh, kind of recurring character, was uh, Dan Butler, who played Bulldog. Mm-hmm. I think as he reminded my brother because he was a whoremonger as well. He just like <laughs> he would he would sleep with anything that moved. Sometimes didn't care if they were moving. Well, it just reminded me so much of my brother as well, and that was always my Friday night lineup: nine o'clock Friends, then Frasier, and then as I said, before the panda people came, WWF, the Attitude Era. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. That, it was some of the best memories of my life. I had no friends. I, my friend was the TV. And it was great to well, say that you wanted to be an actor and stuff because you could watch any shows you want, any TV. Well, and if your mum and dad said, that shouldn't you be doing your homework? You'd say, I am. I'm studying acting. I'm studying how the set's done. I'm studying how they move, how they interact with each other. But all right, fair enough. <laughs> no worries it's brilliant and then they realised I was a crap actor and they were like okay he's clearly not doing this <laughs> you know that's the beautiful thing about uh, 2020 it gave people opportunity to um, you know create uh, mm-hmm. chances and the set out and you know get to do things that you never got to do so yeah. you know it's it's a lot easier uh to actually put something together yourself instead of relying on somebody to pick you up and put you in their production you can even Mm -hmm. if it's something small it could be something five or ten minutes long but it'll give you a chance to actually live out something that you dreamed of or that you pursued for years on end yeah you know not everybody you know everybody thinks that you know it's a thousand dollars into my production it's literally not you know Mm -hmm. but I make it look that way through practice and through, uh, you know, going through, you know, just trial and error. You know, I originally mm-hmm. started with a 
couple of microphones or bad uh audio output and you know just me having talks you know and yeah. then you know a little over a year later i am what i am now through trial and error but you'll never yeah. know until you actually try it's the people yeah. that, that don't try that make it you know harder on themselves in my opinion mm. well and it's been a special interest for me like uh, western like from because I went through your entire back catalogue because well, I'm that guy. I have to binge everything. <laughs> well, well, if I start if I start at the start, I've got to go right through. Well, and hearing how what your styles kind of evolved over the course, well, and then also like looking at obviously the YouTube clips as well, and mm. how you were experimenting with how you were set up and all that kind of thing. Well, it's it's something that I really think is quite cool. What well, that, that you actually get you get to see and hear what well, your process grow and evolve as time goes on. And it's 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 brilliant. It's really it's really what well, great to hear. Just it's podcast for an example that power work and perseverance does pay off. You may not get the monetary reward, but what well, you're holding a, a skill that you never really realized that maybe you could do a year ago. Well, and well, that only benefits everybody. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I, I I really do. Like that right there is uh, semi payment enough uh, for mm. you know even the thought of anyone actually taking the time out to listen to me have a conversation with somebody. Yeah. And, you know, thoroughly enjoy ourselves. So, mm -hmm. uh, let me ask you this: How did your show start? And you got to give me a little background on the name outside of what exactly it says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's a it's a bit of a an interesting name, yeah. So, um, it's it's called that mental gender show, and it's purely because I have red hair and I have mental health issues. Mm -hmm. uh, at first, it started out like it probably everybody else's podcasts. But, um, we went into lockdown, and we didn't have a lot to do. And just thought, I'm gonna I'm gonna try it and see how how it goes. I like to do that. I like performing. I know couple of people well maybe I could do something and see how just see what what rolls with it uh, and you know there's been some hits and there's been some misses well, I definitely I look back at a couple that I've done and go oh dear oh dear why did I do that why did I record it that way <laughs> and it's again it's it's through trial and error but, um, uh, and but I wasn't taking it as seriously as I should have well it was just something to kind of keep me occupied and what well, and just plot just plod on well, so I've taken a wee break, so I took a wee break from it, and I really want to think about the things what, that that I care about, and that maybe I want to do going forward. So I started looking at the title again, mm. what, and trying to really think why did I pick that title? Bar just being a joke about the fact that I'm, I'm a redhead and I've got mental health problems. What and it's because what what mental health is something that I'm really passionate about. It's something that. I think it still needs a lot of work to be done to realize that you have to be okay in here before you're okay out here. I mean, physically, well, I'm a wreck. I'm unfat. I'm fat as fuck. <laughs> well, uh, well, I'm, I'm completely done. I can barely walk the length of myself. But mentally, what now, well, I could run rings around anybody because I took the time to get better. In July last year, I took a, a severe kind of psychotic breakdown. And I had to be removed from my family for six weeks um, because I was told I was a danger to myself and a danger to them. Being told you're a danger to your kids well, is probably the worst law that you can ever hit. And I genuinely thought, I can't go on. I can't keep living. I can't live like this. 
and it was like two paths were before me. Like there was a short one, which was like just give up, just just call it quits now. Well, no one needs you. You're done. And the longer one was get your head out your ass and fight. And I'm not gonna lie, I considered the short one. Everybody considers that short path, no matter how much of the night. They'll always consider that path because it's the it's the easy option. It's whether you decide to take the other path well, and fight. And you've got to find that one thing and laser focus on it. And that was my family. That was my boys, you know, Kieran and Connor. Well, I wanted them to have a dad. I wanted them to have a dad that they could, well, when they're a teenager, call an arsehole, but think at the same time, yeah, he's okay. Well, maybe feel a little bit of pride in what he does, but, uh, but just overall, be there for them. Be good enough for them. Do what I can for them. Make sure that well, if I'm doing my nine to five job, well, I'm doing it for them. Well, if I'm trying to get better, it's for them. Well, and for my wife, Alison, who for some reason what well, still puts up with me after well, all this time and after everything that I feel like I've put her through. So I just I just focused on that and started fighting what well, as best as I could to get myself back together. And I wanted to do something to kind of raise awareness of mental health as well. Well, and my 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 great aunt, she did, she died. Well, just before that COVID, well, she had a stroke and caught COVID in the hospital, and it was the COVID that killed her. And well, that sent me into a bit of a spiral at the same time because we never got to see her, and we never got a chance to say goodbye to her. So it was like I want to do something to honour her memory and raise awareness of mental health, and that's where the idea of like making the charity song uh, "Flower of Scotland" came in, which is our national anthem. And I did that, and I've raised uh, and I raised over six hundred pounds for um, the Scottish Association of Mental Health. Uh, and yeah, and only on Friday, like the song was um, in that Spotify trending list, we were in the top five. I had to get someone to explain it to me because uh, well, I'm old as fuck and didn't have a clue what it meant. <laughs> but I told it was a good thing. <laughs> so that so after that project started to come to a close, I started thinking of rethinking me, the Mental Ginger Show, and thought, right. I care about the arts. I care about mental health. And that's, those are the, the shows that people seem to resonate to where I talk to guys that are in the same kind of field that I've been in, like what they went through, their ups and downs with the business, maybe how mental health and performing arts kind of can balance out with each other. How do they, how does it work? How do they interact? And like, what do they do to stay in positive mental health? Because because that business is tons of pressure, no stability. You could be in, what, in the highest high one minute and the lowest low the next. What do they do to keep themselves in an even keel? Because it can be debilitating. So that's what I'm going to do. So I'm doing like a so I'm doing a sign off show, but for my original format where I'm getting some old guests on, uh, we're going to talk the biggest load of shit you've ever heard in your life. What? And I say that's being a complete knob on here. So once again, I apologise. What? So we're going to talk the biggest load of rubbish. What? And just maybe rehash some old memories, and then what? I'm going to start working on uh, my new content. Well, and I've already got some uh, uh, some good guests lined up. And I'm saying this because they are good. I'm not just blowing smoke up their ass. Right, so I've got the guys from um, the promotion company that have taken me on on the voluntary basis, Top Talent Promotions. Right, so they're coming on to talk to me. And then I've got a guy called uh, Harmini who's uh, coming on. He's a guy who writes uh, songs and lyrics for Lawrence Fishburne. Not Samuel Jackson, Lawrence Fishburne. Just clarify that right now. I do know. I do know the difference, aside from some people. Mm. Uh, and it's well, it's it's nuts that what if I think about this time last year, I was still 
I was in a room in my parents' house, not allowed to see my kids. And now, what well, I've got a voluntary job doing what well, something that that I love and that I'm good at, as well as doing my nine to five and getting my podcast up and running. And then I've got yeah, I'm getting another week kind of podcast on. And this is where you could probably tell if you weren't if I wasn't crazy before, you're gonna tell now. So be prepared, be prepared, motherfuckers. This is going to be one of the ones where you're really going to give me the death threats. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a massive fan of Thomas the Tank Engine. Okay. Uh, the, like the original Thomas the Tank, not this new all engines go shit that's kicking about with the 2D whatever it is. I love the original books. I love the the classic series with the models. Why well, always. Gave, always gave me a sense of comfort and belonging when I never felt like I did. And as I got older, I still liked Thomas, and I thought, is there something up with me that I'm an adult and I still like Thomas and Tank Engine? I mean, my brother still likes Transformers, and he's in his 30s too, so, so there must be something. So I did a wee bit scouring on, on the socials, and there surprisingly is a large adult following of Thomas fandom. And it made me also realize I know nothing when it comes to Thomas compared to these guys. <laughs> they go they go heavy into like you know what the what models the engines are based on, like who what designed them in real life, what the what their stories were based on, and what uh, I learned the hard way to call them steam engines and not trains. Oh my god, I, I even got a death threat about that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. Like they're 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 really hardcore with this stuff. What. Like, and I didn't realize that Thomas has actually got, it's got deeper water than fucking Middle Earth, man. <laughs> it's crazy. So I decided I'm going to do like a wee show about it and think, and maybe get a couple of what I'll call normies. And we'll, we'll read the stories, we'll act them out, do like wee audio stories as if we're like reading stories to our kids at bedtime and stuff. Read through them. We, me and a friend of mine who's also a Thomas fan will talk from our side. And then we can hear from the normal side of what they think and maybe try and put to bed once and for all. Is, is Thomas really just a show for babies? Because that's what people think it is. But the adult fandom go, no, because it teaches you a lot about, you know, the harshness of reality and all this kind of stuff. And if you read the books, they are pretty fucking dark as they get well, as they get on a bit, because it grew up with its audience over 27 years. Mm-hmm. So it starts talking about like, you know, you know, like all oh, the engines are being scrapped and destroyed and essentially being murdered. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, man, it's pretty heavy shit if you're a three-year-old. <laughs> but, I mean, I didn't read the books until I was like, about 10, 11, and I had fucking nightmares about some of these illustrations for years. I still do. It's it's crazy. One of the stories I vividly remember was an engine falls down a mountain while, uh, and they go, right, can't use them anymore, so let's cut them up for parts and use them to make the other engines better. So they're basically telling you, yeah, we uh, we took this corpse and carved up its organs. And now you guys have them. That's the long and short of that story. <laughs> and it's purely to make to make them appreciate what they have. What the fuck, man? <laughs> this is some serious made up saw shit right here. It's crazy. And you find out some of like the real life, some of the real life controversies as well. Like in one of the Thomas books, uh, the Reverend actually put the n-word in one of the books well, because in the story like a quote-unquote the train sneezes at these boys well, and the suit comes up and blackens their face mm-hmm. so you know where it's going already mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he uses the line what well, they wear as black as that horrible word 
And that line wasn't removed until in the 19, till the 1970s. And it was written in the 50s because Audrey didn't see it as a, you know, the word as a problem. And that's, that's forever been like a stain on that book. Even though it's been redrafted and re-illustrated and all this kind of stuff, what, finding out these little bits makes you realise there was more there was more darkness than you maybe realise about Thomas. One of the books, uh, again, it always seemed to be kids that caused the trouble. And you find out that the guys, uh, their fathers beat the crap out of them when they went home. Because it actually says they gave him a good hiding. I'm reading this story to my boys in their incubators with their 10 weeks premature. And I'm like, I don't want them hearing this. They've only just got ears. Hmm. I don't want them hearing about like the, uh, a dad battering their kids. Are, are you nuts? <laughs> it's, it's crazy some of the stuff that, well, that happens with it. I mean, I could talk about Thomas like for ages. I'm a massive like trained dork. Um, and because I don't really have anybody to talk to about it, but yeah, sorry, bud. Because <laughs> my wife just my wife just threatens to divorce me if I talk about that shit. Uh, what I loved about your show when I came across is, is that the uh, the, non- the normalcy in the conversation um, mm. about mental health, and that a lot of people, I don't want to say ignorant people, but some of them come off ignorant by treating mental health issues as if it's a, a disease or an infection or something like that you mm-hmm. can catch like you know everyone's different and everyone has their own issues going along but and everyone has mental mental health what well, everyone has it is so it's mental well-being you can have good mental health you can have bad mental health what well, but everybody's got it and that's what some people don't kind of realize they also don't think that it's something that can linger on what they tell you to you know or oh, just man up or just get over it but it's nothing that serious would you say that that guy's just broken his leg or has just been paralyzed no you wouldn't it's but it's the same deal what you're me- you've got a mental handicap essentially in there something something's not working right in there you've, you've got to fit that and you're trying to fix it and you're trying to do everything you can it's only taken me it's taken me just over a year to get to the stage where I was able to, uh, me and my therapist were able to say, look, we can cut down the sessions. Well, and it's been a year of constant work, improvement, finding out what I'm doing wrong, adjusting and learning from it, looking up everything, like bit of advice I can find to keep myself on an even keel for my family. And it can be, it can, it's, it's scary when you can't trust your own mind. It's, it's really frightening. It feels like, it feels like someone's taken over your body what, and you don't know what it's done or what, you've been aware of it, you've seen it, you've experienced it, but you can't believe it's you that's done it. When, when I had my, my breakdown and, what, and talking about the stuff that happened, it's, it's not comfortable to talk about, not in the slightest, but it needs to be talked about. It's part of my history. It's part of who I am as a person. And it's something that, People need to know if they do meet me. But that's that's who I am. That's always going to be me. And I'm never going to stop fighting to try and be the best version of myself that I can. And as I said previously, it's for those kids. It's for Kieran and it's for Connor. I want to make sure they've got a daddy that they can say, yeah, he's a bit messed up. But he's our messed up. He's our dad. And even when I wasn't well, they would see me crying. I'm not ashamed to say that my boys have seen me cry. 
Well, but as long as you explain why, explain that it's not to do with them, it's just daddy's having a hard time right now. You might not understand it, but it doesn't take away my love for you and how much I care about you. And what and but I need to do these things, and sometimes it means having to cry rather than punching a wall. So you don't see that and start thinking that's your coping strategy. That's the last thing I would want for my boys. And yeah, it's it's rough to talk about, but I have to. And I'm going to keep going. And if it makes people uncomfortable, then maybe they need to have a look at it in the mirror. Yeah, and that's why I make the jokes after all these things as well, because I'm like, yeah, when I go heavy, it's like, shit, let's do some self-deprecating humor. So I about the fact that genders are all racists. <laughs> but we're not. Again, it's breaking the tension. Because <laughs> I, be, I can be deep, but I can also be a real pain in the ass. But it also shows how much I trust you, well, even just from this conversation. What? What? Because I wouldn't make these type of jokes if I didn't think that you know you were a good guy to talk to. I would have I would have my guard up and be a bit more reserved. And sometimes you've got to just roll with the flow. But that all depends on who you're talking to. And you you've been letting me like rabble like a budgie for well, well over an hour now, and I really do appreciate it, man. What well, I really do. As my kids scream for me in the background, <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I really do appreciate this, man. This is this has been brilliant. Matt, thank you so much for having me on. Matt, I, I really mean it. Thank you. Hey, man. Um, not only do I, I appreciate you for sharing these things with me, but you know, I like getting to know people and and seeing how they actually are through conversation because you know you're going to be you regardless to where you are even if you don't know that it's slipping out and Mm. i don't look at it as defense mechanisms or Mm. you know people putting their guard up it's this is how i react to certain things because this is how i feel and Mm. People don't, a lot of people don't know how to read people and understand that, you know, it's like that term, read the room, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Because yeah. they're so... Yeah. Scottish are not very good at that. I have to be upfront with that one. We <laughs> really can't read the room what, sometimes. Especially if you're my dad. <laughs> but, Boy, can, well, I love him to death, but can he stop saying I'm adopted? I'm 34 now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. For example, hey. that that's me not reading the room. <laughs> but yeah, I really do appreciate that you do let us have what you can make all your guests feel comfortable enough to just be themselves and talk about what what their stories like that. What I've been listening to a lot of fake doctors, real friends lately, and they're saying that that that's keep that's keeping it one hundred right there. Yeah, say. I uh I love Zach Braff and Donald Faison, man. Yeah, and, uh, even yeah. even before. Um, Scrubs always mm. loved uh, Donald Faison and then when I mm-hmm. seen their chemistry on and off camera I was just like oh and their podcast yeah. dropped last year I was like oh I gotta watch this mm-hmm. oh, I gotta listen to this this is gonna be funny yeah. and, and, and it is almost yeah it's really good. it's really good I, I, I loved Scrubs when I was when I was a teenager a lot and once again they had good chemistry I know uh, new Donald Faison's work from like Clueless Remember the Titans mm-hmm. what, and things like that and like Zach Braff, he, he just reminded me of me. Because well, I had that same weird Q-tip style haircut when I was a teenager. <laughs> now, now, having that type of haircut when you've got ginger hair what, and you're wearing a big limp biscuit mosher hoodie, that doesn't work well. <laughs> it was it was the 2000s. We had mosher hoodies, the big, massive jeans with the chains on them. Oh, my God. Now I, now I realize why people beat the shit out of me. 
<laughs> I look at that and I'm like, man, I, I, I know it's that now. I get it. I get it. But yeah, it's it's always fun. You can't if you can't laugh at yourself. Who can you laugh at, really? I laugh at myself all the time. I do the dumbest mm. shit, like you know, accidentally hop out the car when it's still in drive. You know? <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh try, man, That's I try amazing. to walk through my house uh, dark when I'm drunk. You know, like mm. like I'm a ninja or something, and I, I'm trying to remember yeah. where all the furniture is. You know, little mm-hmm. stupid stuff like that, but. Yeah, you know, uh, with me it's in what in the mornings. I remember one of the times that I was trying to find my phone. I couldn't find my phone anywhere. I need to get ready to go to work. I'm trying not to wake the wife. I'm trying not to wake the kids. So like I'm I'm creeping like your know, proper Ethan Hunt Mission Impossible style, trying to avoid all the creaks in the floor, not to wake <laughs> them up. What diving in, what having what uh, what we call a uh, horse wash, where it's just basically like a quick under here and under the arms. Mm-hmm. What get make yourself sorted. Going down the stairs, I'm still like, where the hell's my phone? Where the hell's my phone? Not realizing that the thing I was using as a flashlight to see was my phone. <laughs> yes, I was that fucking stupid. <laughs> I, I looked at it and I'm like, I need a life, man. <laughs> I, I had a similar experience, but the situation made me look crazy. So right. the, I love the, crazy, as you know. I'm like, at, at the time, I. Uh, I had two phones mm. and a work phone and a personal phone. Mm. And I uh, thought you were about to say you had the burner phone there. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, we're going to breaking bad shit right here. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, not breaking bad. But yeah. I uh, I called my friend because he had just left my house. I can't make this up. Being the wing man got me punched in the face by this crazy chick. I can't make this up. Gave this cool old man to ride home. Now I'm harboring the fugitive. I can't make this up. Pin between the fat chick and the speaker. Now my shirt smell like her backside. I can't make this up. It's all bad because my man about to get stabbed in his hand over french fries. Bad. And I'ma let the land over legend do the rest. I'm out.